0: Today's episode of the BS Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek, our presenting sponsor and favorite app for buying and selling tickets for sports and music. Go to SeatGeek.com to start using SeatGeek. Don't forget to download the free SeatGeek app and our promo code BS. SeatGeek sends you $20 upon your first purchase. Today's episode is brought to you by Trunk Club. They take the hassle out of shopping by finding the best clothes for you and your style. Just go to TrunkClub.com slash BS Answer questions about your style, preference, size. You'll be assigned an expert stylist who takes it from there. Get started today. Trunk Club will style you for free. Free shipping both ways. You only pay for the clothes you keep. Go to trunkclub.com slash BS. And we're also brought to you by HBO Now, home of After the Thrones. The Ringer's post-game show for Game of Thrones. We're producing the post-game show for Game of Thrones. Oh, they're doing a post-game show? Oh, yeah. We're doing it. HBO Now, Andy Greenwald, Chris Ryan. It premieres on HBO Now. Uh, a couple hours after the show, That's so there exciting. you go, and they'll t- they'll tell you what happened because I never know what the hell happens in that show. I love you it. Once it's over, you go. What happened? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I watch it and I go. Oh, the tall blind lady got mad at the yeah. guy with one hand, and she I'm just, just an has idiot. To so they, angry yeah. At the yeah, yeah. So they go. All right, let's start. Yeah, clearing off for you. All right. <laughs> yeah. That was the voice of Louis C.K. Wait, do people call you Louis or Louis? How does that work out?
1: I've never been able to decide, so I just, like, I'll tell every other person Louis and every other other person Louis. I had a Bill... Most people call me Louis.
0: Yeah, that's what I want to call you, but I don't know if, like, Louis Louis sounds more formal. Yeah, it is more formal. Um, I had a Bill versus Billy situation for a long time and finally went with Bill, but my whole family still calls me Billy. Sure. But it is weird. You feel like you have two identities almost. That's
1: okay. I like
0: having a couple. Yeah, a couple. A couple of different
1: things people call you. It's a good thing in life. Do people
0: call you CK? Like, do you have buddies who just say, hey, CK? Nobody. nobody, Not not one person. Not
1: not one single
0: person. You get mad if they call you CK.
1: Nah, there was one guy uh, called me CK. I didn't uh, end up liking him, but I used to like him.
0: So, uh, thanks for coming. I, I you know, sure. I've read all the reports about you're, you're broke apparently now. <laughs> I feel really bad. I, I didn't know if we had to pay for your car or how's yeah. that? What's bankruptcy like? Is it rough? I'm so not broke. <laughs> I'm so not broke. Was that the most misreported story you've ever been a part of? Yeah. It's kind of crazy to
1: see how wrong it, it, it gets and yeah. to see how far that wrongness spreads. Yeah. It's an interesting pipeline to have tested. Because the th- uh, an interesting thing about this ex- show, this experience for me, is that I made a thing that's usually made by a corporate entity, yeah. but I don't have any of the apparatus. So in other words, we didn't send out like big press releases. We actually avoided the press when we were making the show and didn't. So they don't have any guidance or relationship with us. Yeah. You know, like if uh, Fox or ABC makes a show, they have, you know, a staff of people that are all about PR and all about handling the press. And they talk to those people every day. So they go, "Here's what, here's the new show that's coming. Here's what we're trying to achieve. Here's what you know the selling points on it." And they walk you through it. They walk them through it, and they they always know what's going to be written. You know, like every I know that because I've made shows for networks. So whenever I've had, like on FX, I have very uh, direct contact with the executives at FX, and they share with me, "Okay, something. There's a new story coming down the pipeline. Here's who's wrote it. We've already read it. You know that kind of thing." uh but i just made the show and see what happens and well, so you you literally dropped out. it
0: on a saturday morning what's that you, it was just an it, all of a sudden it was online i on yeah, on, nowhere. wasn't it a saturday morning
1: it was a saturday morning um 10am in the morning That's and the, i
0: remember when you did it there was a lot going on that week and i was like wow he's really yeah, I He's was really trying to sneak this
1: one out. I was trying to I wanted to see how a show grows with no with no uh, help from any of that stuff. I wanted to see if it would. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually picked the worst possible, like the dark side of the moon of uh promotion time because it
0: seemed like it was intentional though because you picked literally the worst possible day you picked the day when when news organizations try to like they just fired somebody and they try to bury it at 5 30 on a friday or friday night is
1: considered the worst time yeah but or the best time to bury something right but that's because people are working on friday night they don't even consider saturday morning right (laughs) like saturday morning is like not time but I wanted to see how it would spread through word of mouth without the um, – and some of the sites, some of the sort of like instant news sites did, you know, write So what did you it. learn? So much. I'm still learning because it's still very early in the process. But this thing with uh, – you know, I went on Howard Stern and, and uh, talked about where the show was at, and I told him that I'm in debt um, I borrowed money to make the show. Yeah, which is every single TV show ever made. They're all in debt. Yes, and they don't. I know this from getting my financial reports for my show on FX because I'm I'm a partner on my FX show. I mean, I I have participation in the profits. Yeah, so they send me a thing that tells me, I've, and I read those, you know, and it says this show is in deficit, and it stays in deficit for a long time. Like after they get their first round of advertising dollars for running the show, they're in deficit they're they're they owe money they're not they're not made whole yet
0: i always just assumed every show is in deficit except for csi all the ncises yeah no most tv and, but they, they yeah, have a the oh,
1: in the aggregate they make money i don't i always use that word wrong but uh, uh but then also they make money when they sell it to other networks so like my show did very well on netflix and places yeah. like that um apple tv other outlets and then i would start to see profits but not from the broadcast run so when i took def dead on my show i thought this is an acceptable this is the risk i'm taking you know you can't make a show without losing some money first but the thing that was funny was that when i said that on howard Stern, you know i made i said it a little dramatically because it's howard and he's fun to talk to and we were making we were making fun of me for not working hard to be a rich person right i told him that you know like i was offered i've been offered very lucrative uh advertising deals i always say no to him and but anyway, so then there was these stories that say, uh Horace and Pete lost money uh, and I thought, well that's not I didn't lose money. I invested money. <laughs> you know it's like if you, you owned every aspect of it that's right i the yeah. thing that, that 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 was left out is that I own a television show yeah. I own a complete series.
0: You own a television own show it. during an era where all of these streaming content places are in, a, in an anchorman fight to try to get good content. That's right. Yeah. I own and I own multiple a piece. places to sell this show.
1: That's right. And I'm on. I'm at the head of the stream. Like I'm yeah. in the mountains. I'm the snow that's melting. Yeah. To feed the water. So right. and it's an enormous asset, and it's mine forever. So that doesn't exist. You might own a small piece if you get points on your show, which is a hard position to get to, even. Uh, but I own this thing. So. And by by and and I own a, I own a show that's, uh, that has Steve Buscemi, Edie Falco, Alan Alda, Jessica Lang. Alan Alda, who Bryant. I hadn't thought
0: of in like six years yeah, until uh, I watched it.
1: Alan is just one of these MVP guys. He's like if it if he was like a baseball player that shows up, plays for the Giants one year, hits yeah. like you know, hits sixty home runs.
0: He's an unbelievable actor. And then uh, goes actor.
1: away, comes back three years later, <laughs> hits you know. Uh, Three hundred hits or whatever. Right, I don't know what those numbers are like, but uh, he just doesn't diminish. If anything, It'd be like he if gets Julio richer and Julio Cesar richer.
0: Chavez just came back now and just won right. the title again. Yeah,
1: or what's his yeah. name, uh, Ricky Henderson? You Would know, he like ever... who, who who did that? Like he'd play for the <laughs> yeah. Newark Bears. He'd play right. for like you know the Newton North Tigers, my high school baseball. Anybody, but Allen doesn't get uh, it doesn't diminish because he's not an athlete. He just gets better. Um, but anyway, the the cast is enormous and the show is. Um, you know, I feel like it's a great show, but also it's the, the the critical acclaim has been, you know, off the charts for it. So that's what I own. Um, and yeah, I, I'm I'm right now I'm in deficit until I get but it's making money every like while we're sitting here. It's selling and selling and selling and selling. So well, you didn't um, promote it at all. I didn't promote it at you know, all. That's the other thing is that when I look, one of the reasons these shows are in deficit is because the advertising budgets are often they often eclipse the production budget. On television shows, so like they'll spend millions of dollars on advertising, and so far to date, my advertising budget is zero. It's literally zero. I've spent zero dollars on this show. I would aside have, from the production budget.
0: I would have put it out on a Tuesday. <laughs> well, I but just, see, I wouldn't have If learned. you had asked me and you say, "Just here's yeah. my plan. Yeah, uh, I'm only telling you. I trust you. You have good taste on That's stuff. Right. I'm going to put this out on a Saturday at ten o'clock. I would mm-hmm. have been like, Don't do that." No, it didn't. But I think you did that intentionally because you were doing some sort of experiment. I was experimenting. And the the thing is that, you know, we're still, how old are you? I'm 75 years old. 75, no, I'm, yeah. I'm 46, but yeah, I'm so a young same, 46. I'm 40, I'm an old 48. See, I'm like those boxers when like Bernard yeah. Hopkins gets out of jail and they're like, he's a young 38 and you're like, right. oh, he's been in jail. That's how I'm, I'm like, the internet was my jail.
1: Right. Yeah. I feel like I'm one of those boxers from Cuba that nobody actually knows how old they are. <laughs> Like, they literally don't know. Like, remember Al right. Duque, the, the yeah, pitcher? Yeah. You could be 60, Nobody, you could yeah. be 40. He's like, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know, you know, I've been around. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, okay, the reason I say our age is because... um, Why did I mention our age? Oh, because the way TV feels to us is like it's a thing that happened, yeah. and then it's done happening. The thing that we haven't wrapped our heads around is that this stuff, you make it and you put it up and it's sitting there forever. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's sitting there. So the show, I launched it on a Saturday morning, but that's meaningless. Like when I actually put it up doesn't mean anything. For most people in the world, it, it doesn't exist yet. For most people in the world, they have never heard of it.
0: Right. This is like a, it's almost like the Tour de France. It's like 30 stages. Yeah, something you like that. Get to. But even
1: that, there's no finish to it, it's just yeah. sitting there. It's really like I made the movie. I just made it. I, I let a lot of people watch me make it. Because I made it, I'd put it, I'd make it, I shot Wednesdays and Thursdays, edit Friday, and we For 10 were ten straight the, weeks, ten straight weeks. We made the show over Wednesday. We we would uh, uh, um, table read Monday, rehearse Tuesday, shoot Wednesday, Thursday, edit Friday, and the show was on the on the website Saturday morning, and Miami, then I'd email it, out Saturday morning.
0: My my biggest confusion until you know, fortunately, Louis K, who you know and I know, I was he was able my publisher yeah. yeah. Who's also my publicist? And I was oh, able that to works find out. That. Yeah, that yeah. worked out. So I was like, "What's he doing? How many episodes are there going to be?" He's like, "I don't know. He won't talk." Yeah, about it. Yeah, I wouldn't it. tell him. Yeah, yeah. To me, that he's sound- like, "I don't know. I don't. It could
1: be forty. It could be two. I don't know." This is what excited me. I'm making a show with that heavyweight cast, and I put I put an enormous amount of thought and work into it. Like yeah. I really worked hard on it, and I thought it's going to show up. No one's going to know that a show was even going to show up. Right. It's just going to show up, and all I'm going to say is, a horse and Pete is ready for download." period
0: for it was like first episode so first like first episode. Episode. what does that mean yes episode first one episode of how and many
1: that's right to me that's so exciting yeah that people would and again they didn't i didn't want them to get this from buzzfeed or vulture or any of those sites so i didn't want did them to Saturday. get i didn't want that to be how people learned about it i made this for i have about uh, well i don't want to say how many but i have hundreds of thousands of people on my email list yeah um and I, I wanted them to get this email. The people that have been buying my tickets and my, my comedy specials and that stuff, to me, they were the first target. And I knew they would spread it. But I'd rather that either you got it on from me or from somebody who has my email. Well, and you and also
0: have all the TV critics who love you. You knew, like... That's going to go up and you're going to get five Right, but a or six lot of them people. were getting,
1: like, I had five seasons of my show and it yeah. was like at the end, nominated for best uh, series, ever, you know, best comedy series for three years in a row. Like, we had such a, th- there's a way that uh, failure can hurt a TV show, but there's a way that success can hurt a TV, TV show too. There's a way that that, that road can be uh, distorting and uh, and there's an end to every road. There's an end to every road of success. Do you I know what I mean? I felt that
0: in your last season. I, I thought mm-hmm. that was the underlying theme of that season: is that you were like, I've I've peaked with how people Will feel about this show, so now I'm gonna start fucking around and trying stuff.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna start You gotta land this, this this plane is you gotta land it now. Yeah, you gotta land it, and then uh, and then you gotta disappear. You know what I mean? And then so the you next took thing, way
0: more chances in that last season. I felt like than you did in the other. Not that you didn't take yeah, chances. Yeah, I think in the that, that one, might be
1: true. That might be true.
0: But wasn't the Russian apartment episode the last? season? That was season? the season before. What was the la- the last season? The last what was the season, biggest risk you took? The Russian um, apartment episode was when I was like, "Oh, he's
1: really fucking around. He's now. <laughs> really experimenting. <Yeah>. This is, <laughs> yeah, this is going places." Yeah, the last season was. I'm trying to re- remember. I don't was- remember. I don't have it in my I gotta head say, I say d- I
0: can't totally remember The sequence either Yeah I empty I it out Of my them. head
1: once oh, Well that, the last one had the uh, Well there was the episode Where I, uh, I Fuck a pregnant lady And she goes into labor <laughs> You had that Yeah that was the opening. That was fun That was hilarious And then there was the um,
0: You know what I've what? You don't You don't have found out With content Yeah There's so much content now I think I saw something About how 15 or like in 1999 there was like 25 scripted shows in production and now there's, there's like, like 140 i think it's in the 30, but i mean that doesn't mean we're watching all of them but i just no. remember when i was a kid and we were growing up with the three tv stations basically yeah and i remember like everything about everything that i watched like the good times jj gets shot it's a double episode like all those moments and now there's so much good tv it's like i watched all your shows and then the next one's on mm. and I don't go backwards with it, almost. No, that's You're the, the thing. same it, no, way. most you know? people
1: don't go backwards anymore. It's like porn. It used to be you knew what all the porn was. <laughs> you know, there was Debbie Does Dallas, <laughs> right. and there was Deep Throat, yeah, Taboo, Marilyn Chambers, yeah. the Green Behind the Green Door. No, that was kind of it. Yeah. But now it's I don't know why they nobody will ever watch it all. No. Like it doesn't see like it seems like they could stop making porn now, and nobody would actually it wouldn't run out as a resource
0: for like a thousand years. This is a big Adam Crowe's this is a big conversation with him where he feels like we've now made enough porn to last us now for yeah, like 700 yeah. years. You could sit down and try to watch, you wouldn't you don't have enough life. Yeah. I mean if, if, you, if you took lives. a baby
1: and started watching him making him watch porn 24/7 for his whole life. Right. He'd get to 90 years old and he wouldn't have yeah, seen all the porn. He'd be up to there's like 1982. There's a millennium of porn out there. If you lay it <laughs> end to end, I think there's a millennium of porn. Like more than there has been I think you could go back to Jesus with how much porn there is. I, I think we've i have made more I porn bet it's than true books. I There's two thousand years of porn if you lay it out linea- uh, you know, uh, um, <laughs> right. linearly end to end. Probably more. It's with probably cre- like space. with credits, <laughs> with credits, I bet you get back to Jesus. So, um, so the show. Okay, so so just going back to this shit with the, the so. Okay, so people started saying uh, the show's broke, and then they started jumping ahead to saying, "Well, it all
0: came from the Stern interview."
1: right but if you listen to the Stern interview I tell him I took debt to finish the show I was hoping that the sales would pay for it but that was that was insane that was never going to happen especially because I didn't advertise it and I launched it on, on purpose at the worst possible time Yeah, um, the money was to be made later but the first the, the, the laying out of the show the event of the show for the people that were following along was meant to be a small intimate uh, um, experience um, and I well, knew it would also- only be a few people
0: but it also feel, it felt like ten plays. That's what what it is. It's like a
1: ten act play. Yeah. And I started to realize as I was writing it, this is a finite piece. This is a this isn't this isn't a series in terms of like, hey, let's go five ten years with this. This is a this is a ten act play, um, and it has a beginning and a middle and an end to it. And each piece has its its own sort of life to it. Um, but when I started to realize that, I thought. Um, I could put everything I have into just these ten. You know what I mean. So I put those out, uh, knowing all the time how many I was going to make and how far the thing was going to go. Although there's ways I can continue with it. You know, there's in my head, but I haven't decided whether I'm doing that or not. Um, I don't. Yeah, we can't get in a spoiler alert. No, we don't want to sp- yeah. spoil anything. Yeah. But anyway, so 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 what I told Howard was that. Um, I took on debt to finish the show, but that by the end of the summer it's going to be gone. I'll, I'll be in the black, which is true. I mean, watching the sales the way they are, yeah. Um, you know, by August or something, I'll probably be clean, uh, and then hopefully we'll get Emmy nominations, which I'm going to push for. Um, and then the show going to be, you know, and then we'll sell to Netflix or somebody else. Kate watched Hulu. all of
0: them in two days. Did you really? You took him to, took him to a dark place. It's he hard, right? It's hard to it. He came sit in in the it. morning. He was it's like, hard. he was like kind of shaken up a little bit. He's only like 23. Yeah, no,
1: it freaks people
0: out. Yeah, you freaked him out does. a little bit. And now that I've, I've got all of them for sale at the
1: same time, you can buy them all with one click. Right. Now it's crazy how it's selling. So I knew all this. Uh, but what people did, took out the part where I said that we're going to make our money back and said he lost money. And then other people wrote, the show is a failure. Uh, he lost money. It didn't work. And uh, and I saw that, and I was like, "How did they extrapolate that?" That's well, so first weird. of all, it's
0: a lack of education about what the entertainment climate is. Right? I don't think that's you why. Have so many different. I think well, it's just
1: more fun to say. That. I think it's more fun to. Oh, say. Oh, you think
0: it's just easy to just jump on it? Well, it's just more more interesting. Nobody wants
1: to click on a story that's like, um, uh, the "Jury's out on how Horace and Pete is doing so far." It's uh, it's in, it's in deficit, but do But but you know, but sales are strong. That's not a clickable story. Louis CK lost all his money on Horace and Pete, and it was a total failure. Is very clickable, so that's what I think, guys. I think he should have played things. with
0: it and done a couple planted things where you're just like at a bank, like with your <laughs> stuff.
1: Well, the Howard Show boosted sales. <laughs> Sell I, mean, of I, got, your cars. I mean, all the,
0: the whole story did great. Yeah,
1: I mean, they people have gone beyond and written that it's been uh, canceled, which is really
0: bizarre. But that's that's a whole other because thing. because you own every piece of it. You'd basically be canceling yourself. Yeah,
1: I know. It doesn't make any sense. W- because what happened was, I wrote basically every time I say anything, they write some weird, whole other thing. So I wrote an email to my fans uh, of the show saying, So that was it. Because I didn't want to, when I sent the last episode out, the email that came with it, I didn't want to say, Here's the last episode. Because you didn't know how many there was going to be. Yeah. So, and y- your friend here didn't know when he's watching it, how many are there going to be? So, when the tenth one came out, I wanted people to watch the show without knowing they're watching the last episode. I wanted them to have all the feelings of something ending um, the way it feels when something ends, which is you don't know what's going to to me that that was a great live present to be playing with and to use dramatically on the show Every, the whole show benefited I think from that from that angle of it that nobody was sure where they where they were going or how long they're going to be made to stay there. Um
0: one of the things I've learned uh really uh, dramatically over the last year yeah. is how the first story determines all the other stories. And if you if you get there first with whatever the angle is, yeah. that's just going to shape what the rest of the angles are for good and bad. So like when when I broke up with ESPN mm-hmm. and I decided not to say anything the first couple of days, and they started planting stuff. Right. And it was basically like, this was a financial decision. He was difficult and he he wanted too much money. I was like, I'd never even talked money with them. That's and right. It had nothing to do with money. And it was the day after I went after Roger Goodell again. Mm-hmm. And 18 hours later, you know, all of a sudden we're breaking up and people are like, well, he wanted too much money. It's like, are you following the timeline of what happened right. here? The first time I went after him, I got suspended for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And the next time in 18 hours, I'm out. Well, nobody does follow the timeline. And no, I didn't nobody's paying as much attention as, as
1: you would hope. Right. It doesn't. All of this is casual interest for everybody. Yeah. And they look it out of the corner of their eye, and it's like one out of fifty things they click on, that, even that hour, and then tweet about, and then forget about. So that's how that kind of stuff spreads. But that's the same thing that happened with <clears throat> when I sent out my last email saying, so that was the end of the show. That was it. I mean, the show has a, a narrative. Yep. Ending to it. To the 10 episodes. Yes. And so I said, I would say so, that's so, true. so obviously that was it. And I said, now that the show is finished and complete, I'm going to go and tell the world about it. Because now that the next phase is that it's a complete 10 piece library that's available now to anybody who wants to see it. And they'll have a different experience because they know there's 10. They know They know that there's sort of a definitive ending to it. And they'll come to it with that knowledge and watch it all at once. Now it'll get binge watched. So, so, you... so when I sent that out, uh, some people wrote things saying, "Can't Lewis CK canceled Horace and Pete because it was a financial disaster." And they wrote, they used the quote, "Now it's finished," to seem like, <laughs> to seem like I was like, "I'm finished," as if I talk like a I'm in a Frank Capra movie, you know, or like I'm Edward G. Robinson. You're through, you know. So, uh, and then that got picked up because what I'm learning is that uh, news sites don't do their own research. Right. And nobody called me or my publicist to say, is it true that the show's canceled? Because I never said that. I never said the show's canceled. Nobody ever no does a follow-up checked. email or call. They just, they just check one site and then it grows into this enormous story. Because the idea of the show being canceled is a radically different idea than... It's like saying that... Um, raiders of the lost ark was canceled when they wrapped it they oh they gave up at the end you know what i mean or like saying that um the people versus oj simpson was canceled well the how what do you want them to keep hanging around talking about what happened <laughs> like forever and ever there's an ending to the story but uh i th- in your case it was a company that got out ahead of you yeah because they had a very an agenda lesson. yeah but I don't know why it happened in this case because there's no I don't have any opposition in because this people
0: case. People want it's it's boring right now for culture. It's like for just a pub. it's just something to talk about, yeah, right? It's, it's, it's just like you for fun, a, right? You filled a couple of days of uh, headlines and I blog think posts. And it, stuff. I think
1: that's what it is, which is okay with me. It's okay because here's in, the, in your case and in my case, the thing is you just live your life and you keep making your work, and it doesn't to me it's a curiosity. It's funny, but also there is a timeline to your life. And here you are now where you are now. And the places that get out ahead and say really rash, unsubstantiated, you know, crock of shit stuff. Um, after a while, I think they must lose some credibility. Like I think most people don't most people know when I read anything on Internet news, I go like, yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> <I don't laughs> maybe think most that, do
0: that I don't think most people do that. I guess maybe not. I don't know. I think people trust the news. I do it. Like, I'll read some, like, Vanity Fair behind the scenes on something that happened, and you just, you trust the writer. And most of the good thing. I guess so, right. especially when thing. it's just a fact. When yeah. somebody
1: just says, this happened, you go, well, here's something I see a lot. This guy said this. And I go, fuck, why'd he say that? That's really harsh. But then if I take the time and read it, which is rare, like, one out of every ten, mostly yeah. I'll just see the headline. This guy said this thing. And I'll go, wow! Like I shouldn't have said that. And I never look at the article, but I store in my mind that that guy said that. I keep it in my in my files of who that guy is, right? But when yeah. I do look at it, sometimes I'll go, well, that doesn't. He didn't exactly say that. Like when they you really look at the facts, or if you go back and re- watch the interview that they provide with it, it's like, nah, it's not that bad. It wasn't as bad as it sounded. And then when the person, re- you know, uh, responds and, and says, that's not what I said. They go. He walked back his rem- <laughs> walking See, back his remarks right.
0: that he never said. There's a good story that's happening as we speak. That is a fun sample for this for everybody to watch. Yeah. So Michael Strahan announced yesterday that he was leaving the Michael and Kelly show. Right. Right. He's going to Good Morning America. Uh huh. And he told Kelly and the producer after the show, like Disney was basically like, "We'll double your salary to do GMA." So, all these reports come out that Kelly Ripp is furious and that she was mad and she was blindsided, all this stuff. Who knows what's true and what's not true? Yeah, never know. So, today, I actually put on the show because I was in here. I wanted to see if they talk about it. Yeah. She wasn't hosting. It was Michael Strahan and Anna Gasteyer. Now, maybe she had a doctor's appointment. Maybe it was a prearranged thing. Yeah, but no, no the internet's just going to go nuts with this for the next. Right. I even did a tweet. I had fun with it. Um, but who knows what's true and what's not true maybe Kelly Ripa wasn't blindsided maybe she's mad at somebody else or maybe they're right. fine or maybe she knew but it's gonna take a, the the narrative that's starting now is Kelly Ripa's mad she got blindsided I don't know if that's true
1: no you have no idea the thing is though the difference recently it feels like because I kind of stopped getting I, I sort of faded away from a lot of press attention between my last season of Louis and this thing so I feel like things have changed because it used to feel like there were sites that were willing to go out on a limb and speculate. You yeah. know what I mean. And they used tons of uh, shellac of things like um, sources say close to the source say you know what I mean or like uh, uh, or cute language Perez Hiltony kind of you know I uh, seem uh, you know I hear a whisper that you know that kind of shit that gossip people used to do or uh, you know uh, I'll word pick, on this the street is, word on the street is. Yeah. But now they actually just say uh, like and, and you can only go by your own experience because I got I got to assume that if everything that I read about myself is really inaccurate, that everything I'm reading is accurate and is inaccurate. It's not about me. Do you know what I mean? So when I read things that say like Louis C.K. Uh, um, states or, you know, confirms that his show is canceled because of, you know, financial concerns, they that when they extrapolate something, they just say this is a fact because it's all moving too fast for anybody to check it or to give a shit. I have no interest in correcting any stories about it. why would you do that? Like, well, why you know would they, you go out? I mean, you just if you just when you have an opportunity, which I have plenty to talk in public, you just say the truth about your life. And then someone else is saying some speculation about your life and. People choose which one they want to, you know. It's probably more interesting to read the speculation, so I don't know.
0: It's also, you have Twitter, which is 140 characters, and you have the way that everybody writes headlines now. Yeah. So headlines now are like, Louis C.K. went broke doing Horse and Pete. <laughs> That's just the headline. <laughs> and then you read the story, and it's like, wait a second, are we sure he went? But right. it's the same thing, and in Twitter, it's they pass it along. And right, it's, and again,
1: it's okay in the end because time keeps going by, so like— the places that want to go on record saying that that's the reality of my show, well, then it's going to continue living. It's going to grow because I'm promoting it now. I would say you're um, in a pretty
0: good, pretty good shape with uh, ten hours of content in a climate yeah, and also where it's not everyone a bad everyone's place killing for, for the, content,
1: right? And it's not a bad place for the story to start, uh, which is that I'm I'm an underdog. I'm I'm hurting. You know what I mean? I'm, I have no. There's no downside to people thinking that. Uh to thinking you, that the show that I'm having trouble. That's okay with me.
0: Because Well, we can perpetuate it if you want. Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh no, I'm really fucked. Yeah. Yeah. I'll buy
0: you lunch after Thank after you. we do this. Thank just, you. I know I know it's tough yeah. times for you. But it must have been you must have at least thought about just going into Netflix or Hulu or someone and just being like, just give me twenty five million for this right now. I'll well, give you 10 uh, hours. I,
1: all of this is in the future. I can, I'm, I can, and will do that. I'll find somebody to buy the show. I mean, that's I own a TV show, so obviously I'm going to sell it to another outlet. I mean, I'm the same. I'm in the same
0: position that FX is with the show that they make. You just flipped um, it. Normally, people it airs on TV. Yeah. And then they pay $31 to binge watch it a year later cuz right. friends so, on the watch. That's right. So the it.
1: binge watching is the first income stream. Right. That's the thing. And and it what has been interesting has been watching people kind of like figure out and debate what the price points should be and what the what this show is. No one's ever that I can think of done anything this this way. I'm not the first person to make my own TV show. But um because of the profile of the cast and because I came off of five years of a winning TV a TV show that was doing well. Um, it's in a really unique position, but you know I charge money to watch it, which is an odd thing for people now because they're used to streaming and having a subscription. It's odd um, and it's not
0: odd though because like I never watched Mr. Robot, and then everyone was telling me to watch Mr. Robot, and the only way to watch it was to basically either get the whole season or pay by the episode. Yeah, that's, just, that's and what it's that's what, it is. what You did.
1: Yeah, that is just what it is, and so. You see people trying to figure it out and talking about it on the internet but then in the end people that like it go, "Well, well, whatever, I'll pay." And they pay for it. And that's how the show um, that's how I was able to afford the show. And the fact that I'm going to be out a deficit in a, in a couple of months, I mean, I'm 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 over halfway uh, paid off the bills for the show at this
0: point. I couldn't be less concerned about you paying for this show. Yeah, no, I it's think not going like to. So, it's the greatest era for you to do this that's ever existed.
1: Yeah, this is just when to do it. And then after when, once it's kind of gone that route, I'll put it on Netflix and it'll be it'll just be there for who wants to, or Hulu or Vimeo or uh, wherever else, or or a broadcast or you know a cable network or something like that. There's a, a lot of buyers right now, well uh, for television. So.
0: Hold on one second. Yeah, if you're ahead. just getting started or you're building a growing business, MailChimp oh, makes it easy. Is that right? To connect with your customers and sell more stuff. Totally free to get started. No expiring trial. No credit card required. We are using the MailChimp for the ringer. What is MailChimp? My new website. It's, it's a newsletter service. It sends out newsletters. So we've been, our website's going to launch this summer mm-hmm. and we've been writing content in the newsletter, mailing it out through MailChimp. It's been awesome. We're closing in on 200,000 subscribers that's great uh, thanks to MailChimp for helping me and everyone at the Ringer build our audience incredibly easy to use uh, and totally free to get started no expiring trial no credit card required how long have you had your newsletter uh, since I launched my first thing on my site I did live at the beacon in 2011 I think how long did it take you to get to a decent level where you were like oh I'm at hundred thousand people have happened It happened pretty
1: fast did cause it? that show sold very fast good so i think it was a few months uh, like two or three months were you obsessively checking the numbers every day are you one of those no people? i mean i get an email in my pocket yeah. uh every hour depending sometimes depending on how i feel psychologically I, i'll call my will write my web guy and say let's go to one every four hours for a while right or let's go to one every hour um right now i'm at one every hour because i have something current on sale right.
0: it's a fun email to get
1: it is, and it tells me everything, how much I've sold of everything I've sold on the site and what where my subscribers are at. And so, uh, yeah, it's a fun thing to check once in a while. Can I ask you about uh,
0: some of the decisions creatively with Horace and Pete? Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, first of all, you got really genuine and awesome performances from a couple of people I hadn't yeah. thought about in a while, mm-hmm. like Edie Falco. Edie's amazing, and yeah. And Steve Buscemi. and yeah. Like, all these people were locked in, but then you then you said before, like, you basically did a read-through on Monday and you taped it in two days. Like, mm-hmm. what what part of the process gets people to that point where they just bring in their A-game when you're just kind of rushing this out every week, basically? Well,
1: we didn't know how we were going to do it. It was a very new way to make a show. Yeah. I don't think that there's a show that... Exists like this, or has for a long time. I mean, they used to have Playhouse 90 and stuff like that, but those were plays, and I think that, and those were like known plays. Yeah, and I think they would probably do like a rehearsal for months, the way you do with a live, you know, with a play. So you uh, need the actors was, to
0: buy into this because it's a big risk for them. They're not rehearsing. That's it right. For, They're putting on themselves behalf. on the
1: line, and the show is very raw and very naked. There's not much protecting you. There's no yeah. soundtrack. I mean, there's no, there's, there's some music, but there's no, uh, score and there's no editing. There's, we don't edit the moments. We edit uh, chunks together. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it is asking a lot of them and we did a lot of preparation. I mean, I wrote all these episodes back in, you know, like August, September. Um, and after I wrote them, we had a lot of table reads. We would just, I would bring everybody over my house and we would just sit down and read.
0: So you wrote you wrote the entire show. I wrote in August, the whole season, or most
1: yeah. of it over August and September. The only I let I left two, um, the ninth and tenth episode. I knew what they were going to be. I had them outlined, like I had the whole story fleshed out. But I didn't want to write them until we started shooting, right. because they I didn't want it the show to uh, to go where it was going. Yeah, <laughs> like I didn't like. But it. you knew where it was going. I knew where it was going, and I thought let's just start shooting, and maybe another ending will occur to me because I didn't want it to end the way that it did the season anyway. And uh, but I just couldn't escape it. It just was. It just never felt nothing else felt right. So, but anyway, but I knew what they were. It took me a, a day to write each one because I had them. Like line by line fleshed out in my head already. But anyway, the first eight episodes were completely written. And I would
0: have um did you have somebody you trusted in your life that you were showing them to, or were you just sure totally I mean, those people are those... all
1: have are credited to. Uh, Vernon Chapman is an executive producer yeah. of the show, and Vernon uh
0: he's he does stuff with the South Park guys yeah, yeah he does. he works things with man about about tray a
1: lot. Yeah. Uh, he has a lot of fascinating shows that he's done. If you just IMDb, him. everybody loves that guy. He's a, a really brilliant guy and a very giving and generous guy. Like yeah. he's he just listens well and he adds well
0: and he's extremely bright. I feel sad that he's not in my life. It just seems like he adds stuff. Yeah, to Vernon helps life. everybody. Maybe I just try to make friends with
1: him. <laughs> you should, but <laughs> Vernon uh, uh, is also very busy, so I can right. never get him to sit down and write anything with me. Uh, but what he was so he's out and working with Matt and Trey. He's also got two little kids and you know. Yeah, and yeah. So I would just send Vernon stuff and then get him on the phone for a couple hours and he would talk to me. Once in a while while I was writing, I got Vernon to come and sit on my couch. That's the biggest help that anybody ever does to me is like sit on my couch while I'm writing. because um, then so what I can just look up once just on I just I'm writing and I look up once in a while and I go, Does this make sense? Or I read it out loud to them and we discuss it a little and then I keep keep moving. So what are they
0: doing when you're typing? They're just like reading their and, reading yeah, a magazine? Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, magazine people have their own phone and their own for the phone. Yeah. yeah okay. Sure. Yeah. It's not, you know, there's not like a fan in the corner. <laughs> reading of, a magazine. Like, in the like eight, an old brass 1980s. fan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, a newspaper. Yeah. So, uh, uh, he did that for me. Dino Stamatopoulos did it, did, yeah. did some of that work for me. And also Annie Baker, who's a playwright, uh, um, who lives in New York. I met her. She did a great play called the flick that I really loved. And, um, she won a her for the flick. Wow. And uh, she's just like an independent Brooklyn playwright. And I met her, and I, and, uh, I got less time with her because she was had her own life and was busy. But I had like... Uh, uh, like two two days that she came and, and, and sat and helped me think some of the things out. Because you'd never She particularly a play, helped hey? me with the third episode, which I gave her credit for. Um, and you'd never written never a play written before a play. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't know this was a play till I kind of got halfway through it It started to feel like what it was. But, oh, uh, really? Yeah, I sort of thought it was like... Uh, I knew who the people were and I knew what the show was about to me. And... And then the more they started talking to each other on the page for me, I was like, "This feels like a feels like a stage play, and um, or something." Yeah. I thought maybe this is like a I don't know, it's like a multi camera drama um,
0: or you a know, sit drama, you know, situation sit drama, drama. You know, it felt like something out of the set at the nineteen seventies to me, like yeah, how that, like well, or on the Family was filmed almost.
1: That's way the way those shows were fil- filmed was very respectful to the idea of live performance. Yeah. Um, and that's the way I did when I did Lucky Louie. That was the idea behind that. This uh, series I had on HBO yep. was really let it feel like a live performance. But the, the and I had a live audience that really enjoyed the show. So I had a lot of laughing on the show. But there's a thing about laugh laughing on a sitcom has been so discredited by its abuse that you just can't hear it anymore. So, so I saw this thing on um, YouTube called uh, Abigail's Party. It's a Mike Lee uh, uh, play, Michael Mm -hmm. Lee, the filmmaker, wrote a play in the 70s, and they made a sitcom-looking version of it. They just filmed it with multi-cameras on a set that looked like All in the Family, like that style set. Um, And I was blown away by it, and it's really funny, and there's no audience, there's no laugh track that's kind of what was the jumping off point. I thought, I want to tell that kind of a story. And also it was two hours of one scene, two hours of a constant conversation that does two hours long, no break. And I thought originally I thought that's, I'll never cut in this show. It's going to go from that's hard a to B without a cut. Yeah. It's just going to be a live performance. And I made the first thing that started to form the idea of Horace and Pete as a bar owned by a family was that, uh, I wanted it to be a business, and I wanted two sets, a workplace and a, and a living room. And I thought, I don't want to cut, though. Like, can I have a little mu- piano music. Boom, boom. And here's the house. <laughs> so I thought, what if the business, in, what if they're in the same building? What if the apartment's upstairs? So that you can, people can go up and down the stairs without cutting. That yeah. was the first idea I had. Uh, And I thought, well, then it's a family owned business. That's how I got to a family owned business that they have the place upstairs and they live downstairs. And then once I got there, I let go of the thing of like, you can't ever cut or have separate scenes. I just let go of it because I with what I wrote before you write stuff, you get all these crazy ideas, you know. I don't remember what your original question was, but no, that um,
0: was one of them. Then I had a, I, the follow-up question was about how you pick the customers because some of them oh, seem oh, to be people in your life.
1: Yeah. So wait, you asked me about getting the performances up. So yeah. So once I wrote it, once I wrote the eight, then people came over and they 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 sat with me and read it, and then we would talk, and then they'd go home. But yeah, we just decide we didn't really we, we just decided we're gonna we're gonna do this. Uh, in this workflow we're gonna just and we didn't know how we were gonna do it really the first week we really discovered it um w- every tuesday we come in and we would read it like we would go all the way through the, the 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 episode on the two sets just walk yeah. from one set to the other and we just go all the way through and the thing is the show is very exhausting emotionally so we do would it imagine. once yeah we do it once and then we would be like all right, and right let's do it again we do it twice And then I go, okay, let's just do the second half one more time, do the second half one more time and then be like and I'd look at everybody and I'd go like, let's stop. I mean, we on Tuesdays, we would be done by like two in the afternoon because we just couldn't keep doing it. We couldn't keep reliving these moments. Yeah. And then Wednesdays, we'd kind of have this feeling like it's it's tape day and we get mic'd and put on our costumes and makeup and stuff. And then now the cameras are there and there's just a different life. There's no audience, but everybody kind of get this game face on. Um, and I had certain coach things I would say like off book tomorrow morning or you're, you're fucked, you know, or, and then once we're taping, we do like a big chunk of the thing, versions of a big chunk. And sometimes I'd say things like, um, well, if you want it to be on TV, you better do it now. Cause this is the take I'm using. I'm not using anything you've done yet. Right. And you see people go, oh, fuck. Pressure's really good for good actors, you know?
0: Um, but anyway sorry go on what were you uh, customers customers so was there anybody that you really wanted that you didn't get that couldn't do it because of a schedule because it seemed like a lot of the people that you had in there are people that um have crossed paths with you at some point
1: yeah i I mean i uh, steven i knew right away i wanted steven right sitting at that bar every day
0: I i was gonna imagine he was your first lottery pick
1: yes he was an immediate first draft choice yeah I mean, I knew I could get him, but yeah. uh, but well, he's, uh, the he's the DNA on that Yeah, stuff. it's like, I remember reading about uh, uh, Tuna. What was the, the coach, Tuna? What was the
0: coach? Bill Parcells. Bill Parcells. Yeah, he would get his guys. He'd go get his guys. Yeah. Like,
1: he'd go start with a new team, and he'd go around to their houses and knock on these old guys' doors, They'd and he'd be like, yeah. yeah, yeah, and he'd be like, come on, we're going to and they'd be like, "What, man? I don't play football anymore." And he's yeah. like, "Come on, Patriots! We're gonna go be the Patriots now." And the guy'd go, "Fuck, Bill, man, I'm tired." And but he preferred guys like that to whatever new young college kid, yeah. because that veteran ability. I'm not trying to age Stephen Wright too much, I but you. I just know what Stephen can do, and I know that he has this deep terrific soul that and he's such a lovable
0: man it and just so wasn't realistic funny. to see him sitting at a bar sadly drink. oh no wait it was totally realistic <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> he's perfect yeah so uh
1: he's the first customer that walks in you know um so
0: how do you end up with like jessica lang okay so jessica lang and i because that one threw me for a
1: loop yeah, well, Jessica Lang and I sat together a lot at w- awards shows because she was on American Horror Story, winning Emmys. Oh, and the
0: FX table. And
1: I'm uh, yeah, so we, I'm always at the FX table. And uh, <laughs> the she likes sitting next to me because I'll ma- I would make her laugh, you yeah. know. Uh, those things are fucking boring. The Golden Globes is the most yeah. boring thing you'll ever attend, but and that's
0: the most exciting of all the award shows. And that's it's the, right, and
1: it's boring. And there's always a kind of a, a kind of even exchange between um, uh, uh, glamorous actresses and comedians, which is that we're happy to sit next to you if you're. Yeah. A glamorous actress and she's she gets entertained so i enjoy i enjoy charming somebody like jessica she enjoys being entertained and she's a really cool person with an amazing history she was in king kong's hand she was the most beautiful woman in the world in the 1970s yeah. yes it was like her and, and be Jacqueline smith so i used to sit and chat with her and make her laugh at the golden globes and say inappropriate things about whoever was on stage and stuff and crack her up I just liked her. I liked her. Yeah. And um, so when I started putting this together, I thought, um, is there a way to use her? There's got to be a way to use Jessica. And uh, I talked to Buscemi about it because he was the first person to come on. And I used to talk to him a lot about the show. Yeah. And he said, she's got a great voice and she's very, she's different than a lot of people who do what she does, you know? Yeah. So I, you know, you sit down, you go, it either writes or it doesn't. I had her in my head. I thought of a character for her and a place for her in the family as this kind of hanger on boozer. And uh, it worked. It worked for me. So um, was there anyone you didn't get that you that I wanted? Perfect? Yeah. I wanted customer. Uncle Pete to be played by Joe Pesci originally. I wrote it for Joe Pesci. Really? Yes. Joe was, Pesci. Yes. And I contacted him, and I courted him. I tried to get him to do it, and he—he he was very nice to me, and I got to know him a little bit. And he finally passed. Um, and uh, but it doesn't. It to me, that's it just. It's like saying you wanted somebody else to play your real uncle in your life. I mean, Alan Alda is Uncle Pete to me. He I was going to say be. you
0: ended up with like the most decorated, most comedic actor. This, just nobody of all time. could have done that yeah.
1: part the way he did it. Nobody could have made that guy live that way. So. Um, So everything works out, you know, but I, there was not, no, there was a few people I wanted that I didn't get. Did Um, you think
0: of having like, because it's a, it's a pretty dark show. Did you think of having like the Norman cliff type character that would be funny,
1: little levity? Uh, You know, I just wanted to make sure it felt like they were really people that might be at a, at a bar. I, to me, I wasn't thinking in terms of, entertainment value or comedic value so much, you know, uh, except for there are people like uh, that are on the show because I saw him at the Comedy Cellar, you know, Kurt, Kurt yeah. Metzger who plays the guy who sits with a stack of newspapers and drinks coffee. He was a big, that was a big bet. That was a big like who knows how this is going to work thing because yeah. he's just this really, wily comedian he's a really unhinged hilarious comedian he's to me a really exciting new stand-up I mean new to me he's probably been doing it for you know 15 years or something but yeah uh, um I I got his voice in my head and I thought I handed him a huge thing which is he's he like leads the conversation in every episode at the bar and I had an instinct that he might be able to do that um so I wrote that stuff for him and and uh He turned out to be great, you know, but he was never meant to be like he's going to be really funny. He was meant to be. This is the kind of guy who's like he can't stop talking. The kind of guy who like will will attack people at the bar and say obnoxious shit. And we kind of nobody quite likes him. Do you know what I mean? He's just a constant. um, Well, that's what
0: Cheers, because Cheers was such kind of an uplifting, funny show for the most part. Right. And. Bars are just not like that. No, they're the opposite. They're not. A
1: bar is an interesting place because people are very open. They'll say anything at at a bar. They're
0: argumentative. They're candid. Yeah, first of all, people are able
1: to go like, somebody will go like, I like Donald Trump. Somebody will go like, well, that's because you're a rich asshole. Like, they'll say, (laughs) and the other guy will just shrug. Like, nobody quite gets in a fight. Yeah. Or somebody will just suddenly say, uh, um. Yeah, I I, I kind of killed my mom over the years. She died because I abused her, something like that. Yeah, like people just held, say, like, I
0: held her meds off.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and people kind of shrug. Yeah, I've heard worse. You know, like right. there's a moment where Tom Noonan says, uh, uh, Stephen Wright says, imagine if everybody in the world killed themselves at the same moment, even babies. Imagine a baby killing himself, and then Tom Noonan says, I saw a baby kill himself once. <laughs> And those are the kind of things you hear at a bar once in a while. Yeah. I saw a baby kill himself once.
0: Like, I remember what the
1: fuck was that, you know?
0: When I lived in Charlestown, there was a bar called Sully's on Main Street. Mm-hmm. And it opened at 8. And at about 7.40, guys would be lining up to yeah. go in. Right. And it was like, I, and you know, I'd be going. Most of the time I'd be coming home because I would never get up that early when I lived there. But uh, you'd see these people and you'd go What's more depressing, being in a bar at eight in the morning mm. or waiting online yeah, at no seven shit. fifty in the morning yeah, no to shit. get to the bar date? It's much more depressing to be in the line. Well,
1: the thing about a bar is that you're not alone, but you're not with anybody. It's like yeah. the Billy Joel uh, line, uh, you know, they're drinking, yeah. a, have, sharing a drink. They call loneliness, but it's better than drinking alone. So I it's like a bunch that. of people being alone together. You just, and to to me, just
0: perfectly quoted Billy Joe. That, that's a hard lyric. I thought you're going to screw that up. But no, you that's a, uh, yeah, yeah. the lyric.
1: Um, yeah. The, the, the thing to me is the, what the show is a little bit about, if it's at about one thing, it's the tension people feel between wanting to be alone because that's safe and it's that there's solace in being alone and that, but it's a desperate fear in being alone. Right. But then if you're with people, there's comfort in being with people, but there's danger in being with people because you can get hurt by people and and it'll it'll take you to a scary place in yourself sometimes. So people live in this constant tension of wanting to be like safe, but not alone, safe, but not alone. So a bar is a place where you can sit there and you know, everyone's leaving you alone, but you're not alone it's 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 the one step away day drinking is one step away from drinking in your cuz you kind of know if you drink in your apartment by yourself you maybe you'll last a month and they're going to find you yeah. half eaten by the cat you know uh you can keep it going at a bar a little longer you know what i mean it's a survival there's thing.
0: witnesses to That's your right. self
1: destruction yeah and it they keep you a little closer to You know, And there's somebody to turn and talk to But there's not anybody to be responsible to Or anybody to let down I think that's one reason people live that way too
0: Quick break to talk about our good friends At framebridge.com Mother's Day is coming up So send the mom in your life something special A family portrait, a picture of you, a photo of her grandkids A photo of her kids Whatever You can order in 5 minutes on framebridge.com You can even upload the photos right from your phone Their experts will handcraft the frame and ship it right to you and your mom. They'll even include a handwritten gift note. Pricing starts at $39. All shipping is free. Place your order by Monday, May 2nd. To guarantee delivery by Mother's Day, use code BS at checkout to get 15% off your first order. Do it for the moms out there. And also, I should mention, Framebridge has framed a slew of posters that are in my office right now, a couple that are in my son's room, and a couple of that are going to be in our new podcast studio as soon as it converts from being a Game of Thrones studio. So uh, we love Framebridge. Check it out. Their work is spectacular. Again, offer code BS. Check out 15% off uh, and do it by May 2nd for Mother's Day. Back to Louis C.K. I didn't, I mean, I might be wrong on this, but like you used the Shandling quote yeah. in the one episode. Yeah. Which I'm sure had... Partly to the fact that he just passed away, and you wanted to pay tribute to him. Everything to do, yeah. But it also kind of, I thought that that seemed to be what the show was. It about, had something at least to do with bit, the show. That the show's kind of about like silences, right? And the, just yes, the and, the, and the silence versus conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that um, a misread? That was that was Tate's big. Suggestion. No, that was
1: right. I think that I mean after you broke Tate. G- <laughs> well, Gary <laughs> uh, uh, and I were friends. Yeah, and uh, he wrote that. To me in an email it wasn't like a quote oh, I that wasn't from like his, from a stand-up no it's something really? he said to me in an email um about uh two weeks before he died uh he wrote that to me was there a
0: reason behind it
1: yeah i he wrote to me about and i don't really want to i don't yeah, want to yeah, go yeah. into this fucking thing because was such a stupid episode but when i wrote an email about donald trump to my fans and it kind of exploded a little yes. more than i expected it to and Gary wrote to me and sort of made fun of me about the email and I wrote back and forth. And he was, I was a little distressed at that I got too much, more attention from it than I wanted to. Yeah. And uh, and and we started to write back and forth just about life and stuff. And then he wrote that to me uh, amongst other things. And uh, I went through this email that he had written to me and it was so full of very moving. And he he is a very, he was a very deep person. All the time I ever spent with Gary... Um, we would just talk and talk for hours. And then I always felt like we didn't get anything. We didn't have enough time. You know what I mean? Um, but so he wrote me that email and I found about 10 things that applied to the show, applied to life, applied to him passing and yeah. how I felt about it. And so I threw it on the, on the end there um
0: it's he's such a curious guy i only spent one extended stretch with him, but yeah. he's one of those guys you just could have talked to for 12 hours like he would have been a great guy to drive cross country with that's right yeah and just like no that's what i love to
1: what we would do, he owned a, a boxing gym yeah uh on uh, the west side with uh peter Pete, peter peter, berg, peter yeah. berg uh wild card west uh they called it yeah and uh and I worked out there with him a bunch of times. I would come to town and I'd write him and say, Do you want? can we work out today? So we would go and he would get a young trainer. Um, and we would, you know, work in tandem with the trainer. You know, one of us would hit the pads and then the other one would, you know, and then vomit while the other one hit the pads. You know, like we're just, we're both around the same age and shape. And then after training, we would go have lunch and sometimes we would just walk in one direction for hours and just talk and then walk back to the car and just and just leave um and my friendship to him came a little late late i didn't really know gary until like i don't know two two years ago or something three years ago um but it became a real constant for me it was a really he was very generous with talking about the road from nothing to success which he had an amazing run yeah um and he shared a lot about what, what goes on inside the inner workings of a person during those kind of big, big changes. So he was a great friend, you know, uh, he wrote me a month before he died. He was in Hawaii and I don't know what was going on with him health wise, but he was, you know, he was convalescing from something or whatever, whatever. But, um, he wrote me something about wasting. Oh, he wrote me this thing saying that, uh, wasting time is part of being creative. That's what he said. Uh, he said that, and he sent me some chapter of a book, I forget what it is, but about that being true. It was something about how Einstein used to like sit around and just do dumb things before he then went and figured everything out. Um, but he said, wasting time is part of being creative. That was the message to his email. And at the end, he said, uh, um, I don't know how much time I can keep wasting because I'm certainly not a teenager anymore. Like, how yeah. much time I have left to waste, maybe three, four weeks or something like that, which ended up being exactly how long he. He made it, but uh, anyway. So yeah, that quote that he he had died only a couple of days before, and I was posting the show, and so I called my editor and asked her to throw it on throw it on the end there. Did he ever give you feedback on uh, the Louis show? Um, no, no, I never asked him about it. Uh, although he read the he read the first two episodes of Horace and Pete uh, before I started making it, and he really loved it. His his actually the way that he. Loved it. Gave me a lot of juice to keep writing. Cause at that point I was just writing scripts and I didn't know if they were any good,
0: you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So it sounds like August, September, you just hold up, you just crank this out. Yeah. I was sort of possessed. Which one was the by, last time you'd done that?
1: Uh, you know, when I wrote Louis, but. Which was like at least a year earlier. Right? It was a couple of years earlier, I guess, yeah. or something. And, uh, and that was a different feeling cause I was sort of delivering episodes and also, Louie, I wasn't just making something. I was, you know, giving back to the network that gave me the show yeah. and keeping people employed. I have, you know, yeah. uh, like a couple hundred people that depend on my show for or did depend on it. Yeah. Uh, and so that became a lot of what was driving me was I didn't want to let anybody down uh, with Louis. You know, um, if it was just me making some for a few people, I, I might have stopped earlier, you know. Um, although and I still might make more, you know, I, I can if I want to. So. I think um, it
0: was the last season or the second to last season when Louis did a couple of morally questionable things and yeah. people wrote about it like it was a real person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And we saw this happen with Game of Thrones last year when right. something that there was a rape scene on Game of Thrones and people were like, this is terrible. And it's like, this yeah. is the same show that started with a brother and sister having sex and then a little kid getting pushed off a tower. That's right. Yeah, and like, everybody I'm, was fine I'm with pretty it. sure I'm ready for anything on this show <laughs> yeah, after yeah. that. Yeah, um, But it seems like this recurring theme in art yeah. Um, even saw it a couple weeks ago. People were like, oh, these female characters keep getting killed off. What message? And it's like, well, maybe yeah. because it's fiction. Um, yeah, do you I don't think know. people I don't get why... carried, too carried away with that stuff? Or I or don't what? know.
1: I mean, I think it's okay if people write those things because they're just some of the population. There's yeah. a weird disproportionate thing going on with, with the Internet where it's like it feels like that's what everybody's talking about. But I don't think it is. I think it's a minority. And I think that most people take culture into their lives and then they think about it and they talk to their friends about it. And then they go do their jobs and raise their families. I think that's most people. So you think it's a, it's a bubble? I do think so. And I think that it's okay for it to go where it wants to go. I mean, it's, it's a reaction. When you make stuff, the reaction's different. I think sometimes when we make things, we want them to be guided missiles. Like, we can decide how people think about them and make sure they heard me just right. I don't worry about that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like,
0: But you're you. Like, it's I, really I think,
1: it's been interesting to see the distortion of the story of Horace and Pete because I'm studying this thing. Right. But it doesn't bother me or concern But you concern also have me. a
0: thick skin because you were in comedy clubs for... You know, I, I would say definitely, stuff bounces off yes. you more than a typical show. That's runner. right.
1: That's right. And and also, what I've always trafficked in is material that it's it's subjects that people don't want to usually talk about. That yeah. aren't easy to talk about. So what I'm really used to doing, because I do it several hundred times per night, right? <laughs> in my life, most nights of my life, is starting to say something and watching people tighten and get upset, and knowing that after they're upset. They're gonna laugh and they're gonna be glad that we went down that road.
0: Yeah, I mean the SNL hosting was the best example of that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean the which one? The the um, last one you did. Yeah, yes. The the uh the that monologue about uh, the child molester, yeah. Uh
0: was You could literally hear the audience yeah. You could hear the sphincters tightening as you were like, Oh no Totally. And, and I'm I, used I was to that. And I'm going, used to that. Oh no, don't don't yeah, No don't. Louis, <laughs> no, no, no. Back off. No, no, please, no, See like, to that's me, how I felt watching it, which yes, is what you wanted.
1: That's right. Well, to me, that's a worthwhile trip. Yeah, uh, and everything that happens afterwards is okay. People have their reaction, and everybody doesn't have to agree on what something is. You know, it's like when you read pieces on the internet that are like, "How he got it wrong," like the ones that always start with, "Why this, 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 this." Yeah. Well, according to you, and I don't know, you. I think you're in your twenties, and yeah. also you're selling this. You're selling this click for money. There's so many reasons not to take it seriously. Do you know what I mean? And every time that I've met people who write for sites like that, they kind of roll their eyes and go, "Well, they make me write this stuff." You know, like nobody really means it. And I try they to tell that like to my professional friends. Wrestling. Yeah, yeah. When yeah, it's like if two wrestlers got mad at each other, like, "Hey, man, you body slammed me." Well, first yeah. of all, no, I didn't. We remember we rehearsed <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a joke. So, like, when I have friends that get attacked and by the blogosphere. And they get scared and they're like, I don't know what, I'm like, it, it doesn't, the person that wrote this about you didn't mean it. They actually didn't mean it. When somebody writes, this was racist or this was inappropriate, they don't, I don't believe that most of them actually mean it. Yeah. They're just crafting something to feed a, um, a dopamine rush that certain people have to, to sell clicks. It's all, to, it's, it's, it's a click economy. It's an outrage, it's an outrage economy. It's an economy of outrage. Every time you read a story that's supposed to make you mad, it's supposed to make you click. You're a sucker. Whenever you add your comments to, yeah, that woman shouldn't pretend to be black in Spokane, Washington, who I never heard, you know what I mean? This thing that affects three people that is now a global concern, it's money. There's an economy that sold that story and made sure everybody in the world would click on it for money, money, money. So I don't buy into that. I don't buy into that feeling. But as a comedian, if you're going to do a joke about child molesting, you have to know that there's going to be tons of people that are just going to go, I don't want to hear that. And I did it on Saturday night live, which is not, you know, a late night comedy club. That was a high wire act. That was a, that was a very mainstream place to do
0: that joke. Um, I was going to say it's like in, I love the fast and furious movies. Yeah. It's only a couple trained race car drivers in the world. Yeah. who could go on SNL S&O and do that bit. Yeah, I mean
1: like. I was very I I I ran the set many times in clubs before I did it because I wanted to know that it was uh airtight logic-wise. And to me, I stand behind it because um it's all true. I mean, it's just, yeah. just it's just a truth. It's maybe a truth that you don't like to hear and that's okay. It's okay for you to be upset that I said it and it's okay for you to dislike me for it. It's okay for you to say, that's it, I'm done with that guy because he said this thing. That's your choice. You can can limit your culture any way that you want to, or you you can comment on it any way that you want. In the end, human beings continue to choose comedy as an important part of their cultural diet. And part of making that choice is to get upset once in a while. It helps us, I think.
0: What helps you as a performer when people know that you're going to you know, push the envelope every once. Yeah, in a while.
1: and that's the other thing is that I'm starting to reach more and more people, which is a good thing and a bad thing. Well, it's a good thing, and and then it's also a, a it's a ter- it's something you got to be careful about. Yeah. So to me, the thing isn't to say, now that I've got a bigger audience, I've got to cool it. That's a huge mistake, and it's also not honest, and you won't continue to be inspired, which means you won't be able to make anything anymore. So when I did SNL, I thought I'd done it twice. Uh, The first time I did it, I I just sort of... The monologue to me is what I do there. You know what I mean? And then I hang around for the sketches. The
0: Lincoln thing was great, though. That was That was a big win for Seth Meyers completely
1: invented that. Yeah. But uh, the first time I did it, I told a story about an old lady in an airport. I did a very basic monologue. Then the second time I did it, I kind of dug a little deeper and talked about um, uh, religion and life a little more. And then the third time I did it, I thought, okay, people are getting used to seeing me do this. Uh, They don't really know who I am. And... (laughs) They don't really know what I'm capable of in terms of what I'm willing to talk about. Uh, so I should tell... I should be... I, I, I mean, I know this sounds weird, but I thought it's it's only fair to do the child molester joke if I'm going to yeah. continue doing this show. I, I can't go down a road where like I change who I am for them because then they'll... It's like they're getting fooled. It's not... I'm not this filtered guy. Uh, you know, I'm not a polite comedian. So... Uh, and also, if they come and watch, if they, if they like me on SNL and they go watch one of my specials, they're going to have a heart attack, some of these people. You know what I mean? <laughs> so so I thought I should make a real account for myself. This bit is in my mind. This bit is frontwards. I had been doing it. Like, this is the bit that is itching inside of me right now. That, that, the, that whole bit, that there was this thing from the Middle East to the child molesting, and it also came out of a personal story. There was a whole shape to it, and I thought, this is the things I'm doing right now. So it's only fair to lay it out and just let the chips fall. If it turns into that, the outrage from the monologue would have taken me down a couple of pe- a few pegs. I thought that's appropriate. I want to be in. I want to be in the right
0: place in the culture. I don't want to be bigger than um, I ought to be. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I mean, you've laid out the. A lot of people, I think, creatively have been in that situation. Not just comedians, but like I think Pearl Jam was in that place to some degree. Not Tell me to, what you mean by that. Well, I think Pearl Jam got bigger than maybe Eddie Vedder wanted to be, and that's what the documentary is about is right. he felt like there were all these bandwagon fans, and he, mm-hmm. he was playing because he genuinely loved the music. He never wanted to be on the cover of Time magazine. Yeah. And he was like, oh, Jesus. So the next album they put out, the first single was Spin the Black Circle, right? which is just a – I hate that song, but some people like it, but it's just loud, and it's not mm-hmm. a song that would ever be a hit. And that was his reaction. To that he's like, right. "Oh, you want you want us to be this? You just Here's need our to know what single. I really am." And what yeah. that
1: does is it keeps your flow going. In other words, when you start, when you it's when you thwart what's real about you in order to keep creating content for a financial need, you're just not going to make it. You're not gonna well, also, going to keep going. Also, some
0: people are des- are destined to be liked by a certain number of people, and once you That's go right. up here, you have your number. You're gonna
1: you're gonna lose that. It's very dangerous. To be liked by more people than should like you, <laughs> it's right. very dangerous. It's bad for them and it's bad for you. It's going. There's going to be a shock down the road for them. Um, you must or this. you're going to you're, you're going to dilute yourself and right. take yourself to a place where you can't live with who you are. So I think if you make an honest account of who you are. Um, And then you live with the results and the results will be appropriate to who you are. If you try, if you, if you have a, I don't have a, I don't have a thirst to be big. I've had many opportunities to do things that would have made me much bigger, you know, comedy movie type things that would have, I would have been more like a guy that'd be recognized at a mall by children. That's not right for me. I don't think, you know, so um, and it's okay it doesn't feel bad for people to reject you
0: if they just if they're rejecting you based on who you are do you understand what I mean uh, well I think the reverse of that like Steve Martin wrote the best thing I've ever read about this in, yeah. his, in his book I think it was called Born Standing Up mm-hmm. where he's basically like he reached such a crazy level of popularity that when he went to do his stand up shows the people like he could have said anything and people would have been dying laughing yeah that's bad they're too. reciting the lines that's and he's right. just like wow I've I've I have nowhere else to go, yeah that's that's. this not has good gone either. to a place that I don't want that's I mean, right that's there's all kinds of bad ways this can go yeah. if you I really care about th- the directions if
1: you're saying things just to piss people off, I don't know why do it. If you're saying things just to uh, please people, that's also that's a short-lived victory. But if you just say the things you believe and the things that you like to say and that mean something to you, if you stay close to the gut, uh, then everything will work itself out. Do you know what I mean? It'll the the rest will be will be whatever it is.
0: Well, Louis became a much more serious show. I felt like as it went along. Would you yeah, agree and I with remember that?
1: when I first started doing the show, there was episodes that were funny and episodes that really weren't. And so then I would see some of the reactions. Some people would go, "What the f- that that wasn't funny? I'm not watching this anymore." <laughs> Make and then, me laugh. Yeah, and then other people would go, "I really like this." So I go, okay, I'm gonna keep making the show the way I want to, and I'll catch the audience that likes it, and I'll lose the audience that doesn't. And if the f- second audience is the audience I'm losing is bigger than the audience I'm getting, um, they'll take me off the air. I mean, it's that simple, you know. I'm, I'm okay with the level I'm. I'm, I'm yeah. okay with being five times smaller than I am right now. So, like, I'm okay financially, and and I'm I'm happier when I'm more obscure. Whenever things calm down, and I can walk the streets of New York, and you know. Uh, mostly people don't give a shit who I am. I'm just more comfortable, you know. I would say you're um, more
0: famous than that. Yeah, it depends you on how what's going it's on. A lot more than that. It goes
1: in waves, you know. Yeah. And I also, I don't mind it. It's a goodwill, you know. I mean, if I'm walking down the street and like a fire a fire truck blares their horn and the yeah. couple guys wave at me, that's like makes me really, really happy, you know. Um,
0: I do like that, you know, there's way too many shows now, obviously, and it's tough to figure out which ones to watch. But there was this really bad trend with, with comedy shows on TV, especially with networks for about 20 years, yeah, where it just became set up, set up, joke, set up, set up, joke, set up, set up, up, joke. That's right. And like my favorite network show ever was cheers. Cheers. Cheers was a show that happened to be funny, but it had real poignant moments in it, you know, and they'd have four or five minute scenes where people were just yelling at each other, fighting. Mm -hmm. Like when coach died, it was as sad as any moment that had been on TV. It does feel like we're starting to drift back with that. With some of these half-hour shows, like even my kids love Blackish. Yeah, Blackish has some serious shows. That's you know, what I've they heard Carmichael also does too. They're
1: not just uh, churning out the jokes, right? Um, it's something I worked on a show called Cedric the Entertainer presents the Cedric show, and uh, uh, the, one of the head writers was John Bowman, who was a, a real veteran writer, and he used to call it the tyranny of the joke, um, that 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 you just must get to the joke, but jokes are conversation stoppers they're not jokes have a corrosive you know nature to them so if yeah. you're if you're talking with your friends and being funny like you're talking about something that's making you all laugh and then somebody cracks a joke everybody goes like what are you do- what are you doing <laughs> or what are you trying to be cute like it's you know what i mean and that's what sitcom uh um Dialogue sounds like a lot of the time, but yeah, it's starting to drift back into some interesting places. I heard that show, The Ranch. I've never seen. I've never seen any of these shows, but I've heard that's also. uh, Oh, the um, Kutcher
0: show. People like that show. Yeah, yeah, But it's a little more. There's so much
1: TV right now that there's. I mean, for me, the funniest shows, the shows that really make me laugh, are like Portlandia. Kills me. Yeah, because it's about just energy and moments, and there's creative ideas about the stories too. But Portlandia is just about watching Fred and Carrie take opportunities to be just super fucking funny, you know, um, and it's very inventive and strange. So um, there's a million kinds of great, great comedy right now. There always there always are. But, yeah, it has a, a, a rhythm to it. Um, we're uh, we're running out of time. Yeah, sure.
0: So not, not, I could talk to you for five hours, but just uh, like the average podcast, you want to go about 80 minutes. And yeah, then people sure. People can't download them. No. Yeah. Um, is Louie coming back? Uh, It might. You know, I think about it sometimes. It's
1: an autobiographical show. That's what makes it different. Yeah. If Louis was a character that didn't look so much like me and act like me and stuff, um, it would be a different thing. Um, If you named him Bob, I feel like it would be a lot easier. Right. Well, Louis was uh, the the character on the show um, was a version of me, but uh, with different who makes different choices and, and acts differently. Yeah. I'm a much more outgoing energetic person than the guy on the show i'm a much more i seize life and i i i have i'm very optimistic um but that's not funny to me (laughs) to me what's funny is this just guy that just can't do anything yeah uh he was uh based on who i was in 2010 when i created the show which was uh A newly divorced dad who's trying to do his best as a father without knowing quite how to pull it off Um, and being single late in life and uh, being a struggling comedian Uh, that was the and a New Yorker you know a member of the just the the random streets of New York City Um, with all the grit and shit of New York City that to me was who that guy was and I talked about him and told stories about him for five years you know uh, and I, t-
0: I mean well five seasons over six but years. your life completely changed as you're doing yeah, the, exactly. those five years and some of the
1: stories weren't about his life and those are the ones that I feel like um, you know like the 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 one where he meets the cop Who the oh co- yeah no I, uh, I'm Michael, saying your um, life
0: changed I mean the things that you were probably interested in telling stories about because yeah, of yeah, how your life guy changed guy you can't do that
1: I'm a different kind of father than I was then yeah. I know what I'm doing now and uh Obviously, my life is different. I'm financially more better off than I was when I started doing the show, and it doesn't mean I can't write about that. I was I was poor for forty years, yeah, you know, and I've I've been better off for you know five or so really, um. So I have more memories of tough times than I do good times. So I'll always be able to write about anything I want. And obviously, obviously, life stays difficult, but the mechanics of that guy's life, and also it's hard to put something that looks like you out there to this degree when I started doing it I was nobody um, I'm well known now so it is it's it's tougher and also to I really wanted to be able to take that character and have him make big mistakes and and be kind of an idiot in a lot of ways and so uh, it's harder to watch yourself do those things and to represent that, you know. So,
0: and then so. people, you become so famous that people confuse the character's mistakes with yeah. I think they do that, that, that too. I mean, here's
1: it. for me when I watch things like you said, it's fiction. Yeah, I don't need people to show me a good example of a human being when I'm watching a story. I agree. I don't understand that idea. That culture and television is supposed to give show how things should be, or that it's supposed to avoid things that are bad. I don't understand that. I don't. I I don't think that way. I don't argue with people that do, but I don't get the idea that, um, you know, we have to uh, give show women in a good light or men in a good light or. You know, don't a show. Proper a,
0: family structure. And yeah, or the idea don't that they be you racist. Have a, I think it, it's
1: actually, this is just me, but I feel like it doesn't do any group any service to defend them or protect them in that way. I think it does the opposite. I think the idea with when we tell stories in comedy or drama, we're all throwing all of us into a mishmash and fucking around and telling outrageous stories and we're competing and fighting and and doing things to each other on television that we can't do or shouldn't do in real life so if you say to a television don't let this happen to this group uh you're saying that group isn't worthy of that, that they're not equal that they're not they can't be an equal partner that they can't Put a chip in the game, and be, you know what I mean? On in fiction, like you
0: can't, you can't watch it in fiction. It doesn't make any sense to me. I the don't, prob- I don't, I don't need that from. The fiction. problem for you though is that you're too good at capturing real life. So when you have the bar customers talking about yeah. Trump, yeah, and it's hitting certain places where I'm like, that sounds like my uncle
1: yeah no that's, shit that's that's yeah, no, tapping
0: tapena stuff that's actually there
1: yeah and I know that that's true so I don't I don't when I see that reaction it's curious to me I don't share it but I welcome it also I welcome when people watch my show and they get upset that's a positive thing and, and the people that talk about what I make and they're angry about it um, that's positive but I don't I do like the idea of I liked playing Horace because he's so to me anyway he wasn't me yeah um so I don't know. I don't know if there'll be stories I can tell about myself as Louie in the future that have less to do with my daily life and more like adventures. There were certain episodes of Louis that were like adventures that were outside of my real life. Do you know what I mean? Like the going to Afghanistan and Well, stuff you also like
0: that. when I had Larry David, we did we did a long podcast like a year and a half ago and he's you know, he's coy about whether Curb would ever come back. Right. And I just got the feeling like he was good. Like, he had a great run. Why fuck with it? You know? Yeah, I
1: think at some point, some... You,
0: don't you have to think about that too, right? You're like, yeah. this is great. Maybe maybe it's better to leave two years too early than a year too late. Yeah,
1: definitely. I think I'd, I had that in mind when I put put it on a big pause, when I basically said, I don't want to owe this anymore. Like, that's yeah. where it's at now. I don't owe it to anybody to do it, but I'm welcome to do it. As long as the same... I mean, I might go back in a year and they don't want it anymore. You know, who knows? But, uh, But it is autobiography so who knows once in a while you're grabbed by you know like uh, what's his name Um, uh, John uh, Steinbeck a great fiction writer and then he wrote Travels with Charlie it's his best book and it's just about him driving around the country with his dog it's one of the greatest things I ever read and it's just one day he decided George Orwell wrote these bizarre crazy fantasies and then he wrote something called uh, um, Fear and Loathing in Paris and London and it's just about him living he decided to live with nothing with no money on the streets of London and on the streets of Paris. And he wrote it just like a first-person memoir of what it was like. Um, so I do think it's possible that I'll have some experiences and stories that I want to tell um, at some point in my life, On and that'll be where I'll do it because there's no better place to me to make TV than FX. I love working there. How old are your daughters now? Uh, 10 and 14. How's it going with the 14-year-old? She's good. She's a really bright kid, and you know, still I, mean, nice I don't want it's it's her life. You
0: know, still <laughs> nice to. you. Yeah, we have a good relationship. Okay, good. You Mine's turning eleven next month, so I'm, sorry, I'm really, I'm really getting focused on it. Now. Yeah, no, it's uh, the moodiness is, you know, it happens. Everybody. Yeah, gets, yeah, we talked about this last. When time.
1: you get older, you get confronted by uh, uh, difficult truths about life. Yeah, and uh, and about how you feel about how you know stuff starts coming in really clear around uh, 11 12 13 14 and uh you can't blame a kid from going you go from santa claus to you know there
0: is no god that's that's a rough. that's a rough trip that's a rough trip Yeah, my my kid's almost eleven and, and hid her tooth that she lost under the pillow, hoping the tooth fairy would come out. I was like, I yeah. just want to freeze this. Just uh-huh. please keep believing this for as long as possible. Yeah, for as long as you know, and kids yeah. will always
1: do it longer than they
0: believe it to. Right. Well now, get, now they, it's a financial move for her. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. She's like, Yeah, I still believe in the tooth fairies. So uh, she, if she's doing it when she's seventeen, I'm gonna be con- I'm gonna be concerned. Yeah, yeah. Um, be so right Louis C K Louis C K dot net.
1: Yeah, that's where you can get Horace and Pete. It's yeah. thirty-one dollars for the whole season. Five dollars for the first episode. Five dollars. So what a lot of people do. Sample. I'm watch. I'm seeing is they watch the first one and then they complete the season after they've watched the first one. That's the most common trend.
0: That's where your advanced metrics are telling you. Yeah,
1: because a lot of the uh, well, because a lot of the uh, buy the thirty-one dollar is yeah. a twenty-six. Because I I get told how many, how much, you know, yeah. when I average out how much we make on that price yeah. it's 26 dollars on the nose almost every day so that means that t- that's 20 that's 31 minus five so people are watching the first episode and then just which is great if people watch the first episode and they buy all thir- all 10 or they the remaining nine that's a good thing well also it's, it's, it's slightly
0: well. hard to buy each one so it's just easier to. it's just pain yeah fuck it i'll just yeah buy i them. couldn't
1: make it i couldn't let you buy them all ahead of time yeah because they didn't exist yet yeah. So it would have been irresponsible for me to sell something that doesn't exist. But now exist. when you're doing it, you might as well, it's just easier to just Now it's there on. and you yeah. can just go buy it. I think people, it's smart to take a little time with it because it is heavy. It's intense. I mean, look at Tate. Yeah. Like, it, that, people that, that's get a hurt. screwdriver. That's yeah. not coffee. People He's, get hurt on this show. This yeah. show is about a family that's been together for too long. And, uh, parallel maybe about a country that's been together for too long. Yeah. And it's, and it, it, that doesn't mean that they don't need each other, but it's a hard time in this family's life. And, uh, and every episode reveals more and more about what they're going through together. Um, and the, the performances are so good by these actors, um, that the show is really fucked up. The show's seriously sad. It's not just a, you're not just a bystander of some drama you're really seeing some shit that's that's not really okay. Yeah.
0: Um, and you have a stand-up, your next one's coming, I'm special. on tour.
1: Start, I'm starting a a tour now. Usually, yeah. I'll you're be all, all over the country through, through the whole summer. Yeah. I'm going to Europe to do some shows. I'm going to be on tour heavily from now until probably January of next year. Great. And uh, I'm not going to put out a special for a little while. I might wait until next year. Because I really love the material I'm doing right now, and so I think if I give it a good year of touring, it'll be even better. Okay. I really want the next special that I do to be uh, better than all the ones I've done before. So, okay, yeah,
0: excellent. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. This is fun as always. Yeah, good luck always. with uh, Good Thank luck with you. Horace and Pete. Good luck with the bankruptcy. Good luck at HBO. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate <laughs> it. Sure, man. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much to Louis CK. Thanks to MailChimp.com. They've helped us make a very successful ringer newsletter. If you're just getting started or if you're building a growing business, MailChimp makes it easy to connect with your customers and sell more stuff. Totally free to get started. No expiring trial, no credit card required. MailChimp.com. Also, thanks to FrameBridge.com. Mother's Day is coming up. Send the mom in your life something special. All moms and stepmoms and grandmothers and baby mamas, they all love framed pictures. Pricing starts at $39. All shipping is free. Place your order by Monday, May 2nd to guarantee delivery by Mother's Day. Use code BS at checkout to get 15% off your first order. And thanks to framebridge.com for framing all this stuff in my office and in my son's room. Uh, Thanks to HBO Now. Download the HBO Now app. Start free one month. One one month. One month. Start free one one month. One month. One month trial. In time for After the Thrones, which premieres only a couple hours after the premiere of Game of Thrones on April 24th, premiering in the wee hours on HBO Now. After the Thrones, and thanks to everyone at The Ringer. Subscribe to our new newsletter at theringer.com Back later this week. Anytime thank you. y'all want to see me again, rewind this track right here. Close your eyes and picture me rolling.